All right, today is a very special edition of UCI Conversations. I'm on location in downtown Manhattan, New York City, across the street from the 9-11 Memorial. Specifically, I'm at Time Magazine headquarters, visiting with UCI alumni Michaela Holland. Michaela graduated from UCI in June of 2016 with a degree in literary journalism. While at UCI, she was also involved with dance and was KUCI news director. Since November of 2016, she's been associated with Time Magazine. Welcome, Michaela. How are you this snowy, cold morning in New York City? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been quite the journey, though, because when it snows, sometimes the trains get a little crazy. But I am doing absolutely wonderful. Fantastic. Well, I want to hear all about your journey from high school. I understand you're from the Central Coast, how you came to arrive at UCI, and then your transition to where you are today. So please tell us about initially your journey to UCI. So when I was in high school, I was involved with a lot of dance and performance art, and I was actually under the impression that I was going to pursue a career in Los Angeles as a dancer. And my parents said, nope, and put a kibosh on that. So they said, you're going to college, and you're applying to college, and until you do, you're not going to be allowed to dance. So that was a great motivator. So I actually applied to a couple colleges. I had very good grades, and then I realized that I wanted to move down south to be near Los Angeles to be able to still dance. And UC Irvine was just a school that I fell in love with when I visited the campus. So that actually became my dream school to get into. And then I applied. I was under the impression that I was going to become a business major, actually. I was under the impression that I was going to be a businesswoman of some sorts. Not understanding, I think, all that that entails, especially when it comes to having to take statistics and economics. So I got into UCI for literary journalism. The funny thing is, is I don't even remember putting that on my application as my secondary degree, but I did. And I had been involved in newspaper all through high school. So I was like, sure, I'll go to school for journalism and then transfer into business. Well, never ended up transferring to business. Absolutely fell in love with journalism and was really excited when I heard I got into UCI. A funny story, my freshman year roommate, her name is Shelby, she and I actually met when we were in fourth, and she and I had a long-distance friendship since we were in fourth grade together because our parents happened to vacation at the same resort in San Diego. It's called the Lawrence Welk Resort. And when we were in fourth grade, we told each other that we would go to college together. It turned out we had stayed in touch through junior high and high school, and then at the end of school we got out of touch just because of life and busyness but I called her when college acceptances came through and I was like where you at and she's like oh I got accepted to Long Beach and I got waitlisted for UCI and I was like I got accepted into both and I was like I want to go to UCI she's like I want to go to UCI as well and we always said that we would go to college together and be dorm and we ended up doing that and it was so funny because I was sitting on the couch with my mom and I said Mom, I really think I want to go to UCI, but Shelby only got into Long Beach, she only got waitlisted. And, you know, Long Beach is still a great school. And I got into Long Beach for business. And Long Beach has really interesting things to offer as well. And my mom's like, why would you go to Long Beach? Like, you want to go to UCI, it's more prestigious. Like, it's something that I think that you should pursue. You liked the campus better. And I was like, I don't know, Mom, I just need a confirmation. And less than two hours later, Shelby called me and she's like, I'm off the wait list and I'm accepted to UCI as a bio major. So 
That's really cool. And actually, she and I are still in touch to this day. Fantastic. And how was your experience at UCI? Yeah. So my experience at UCI was a little less traditional. I started off freshman like everyone else in the dorms. I was in Prado in the Mesa dorming. And I kind of went through an identity crisis as a dancer. I wanted to be a dance major. And I was in the dance hall. And I was surrounded by dance majors. But I was a journalist major. And and it was really hard for me to adjust to that. And I think everyone has a hard time adjusting their first year. But I ended up being able to do off-campus internships with a magazine like Orange Coast Magazine. I was able to find a scholarship program at a nearby dance studio for adults. So I was able to take a ton of dance classes for very little. I actually completely missed my freshman convocation because I had my first audition in LA because I had semi behind my parents' back signed with a dance agent and was trying to juggle a professional dance career in LA while I was going to school. So very, very, very not traditional. My first year, joined SPOP. SPOP was amazing that summer of my freshman year, going to my sophomore year, took summer school. Then the fall quarter of my sophomore year, I auditioned for a job at Disneyland Paris, and they pulled me inside and they asked me if I would be interested in a contract with Disney Cruise Line. And they actually asked me if I'd be interested in portraying character Mulan, who for me is like my hero. They were Disney's biggest newer ship called The Dream. It sails through the Bahamas. It's a private island that Disney owns out there in the Bahamas called Castaway Key, so you'd be going there every week. And we'd want you to join January to September of 2014. And at that point, it was like November. And I had finals. And I was looking at the dates. And I was like, that's literally winter quarter to spring quarter and a summer. And I went to my school counselor in the humanities department. I said, would this be possible? She said, yes, two quarters. You can take as a personal leave of absence. And you can come back right where you left off. You would just have to email me the quarter you want to come back. I was like, that would be in the fall. She's like, great, just email me. And I'll I'll send you your web reg window. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to go work on Disney Cruise Line for nine months. So I took a nine-month leave of absence from school my second year. And I came back. Had an amazing time. Um, Lived in Toronto, Canada in the middle of January where we rehearse and then lived in the Bahamas in the middle of the summer where we performed and danced. So it was amazing, absolutely incredible. And that's actually where I think my love for immersive storytelling and what I do today really started to emerge. That was when I taught myself video editing and I taught myself taking video and I perfected my audio editing skills there. Came back to UCI, was like a little depressed obviously because I could be in the Bahamas living my life, but I came back with a really true purpose. I said, you know, if I'm going to be a journalism major, I'm going to do it right and I'm going to set myself up for success. And so I came back with a vengeance. I took 24 units, which killed me, but I was like, I'm going to graduate with my class in 2016. I don't want to be here an extra quarter. I don't want to be here an extra year. And I'm going to make an impact on this campus. And that's when I did KUCI the fall quarter of my third year, got a show winter quarter of my third year, which was about dance. It was called Five, Six, Seven, Wait. It was a PA show. And then spring quarter, I was offered the role as the news director. And that's when I just said, okay, well, I'm expanding the show from a half hour to an hour long. It's going to be all about UCI, and I'm going to hire assistants and interns. And it happened that I did. I hired two assistants, and we had a full hour-long show. And this is following the KUCI trajectory, and then my fall quarter of my senior year or my fourth year we extended the show to an hour and a half we added a half hour section for oc news so it's called the pulp the first one is called oh shoot 
And we hired five new interns. We actually sent out applications fall quarter, and we had over 75 people apply, which was huge, absolutely huge. And that just showed that people were hungry to be a part of media on our campus, and there was just no opportunities for them. So we hired five new interns. We ended up letting go two, but we ended up with three really solid ones for the rest of the year. And by my winter quarter of my senior year, we extended it to two hours. So we had an hour of campus. The campus skinny. It's this campus skinny, and it's a coffee cup, and the pulp news, which is Orange County news, and it's orange juice. And then we had the pub, which was a beer, and it was just general conversations about what was happening in the environment. I think we spoke about the Black Lives Matter movement on campus. We spoke about food security on campus. We spoke about larger issues like the opioid epidemic in Orange County. That was really amazing, and that was kind of my trajectory for KUCI. And then... My other trajectory my senior year and junior years were I started Anteater TV, which was in broadcast media journalism on campus, and broadcast media at that time was just a student club, but by the end of my junior year, we had been offered a position as an official student media by the UCI Student Affairs staff because we had been just doing so much content. And so my senior year, we started off on a fresh new slate as the official student media put applications out again for interns, received over a hundred applications for interns, were just like absolutely floored by that and became the largest student media pretty much overnight and was running that full time. And then was going to school and still taking a ton of units, writing amazing stories for LJ. And then I ended up coming back home from Cruise Line and getting a job at Disneyland almost right away working in the show Fantasmic, which is the nighttime show with the dragon. And then so I was working Fantasmic in the evenings and my senior year got a job at Legoland as a seasonal Halloween dancer and then got a job at SeaWorld as a seasonal Christmas dancer. So my senior year, the my Christmas break consisted of me waking up at like 6 a.m. to drive all the way down to Mission Bay in San Diego from Irvine to be at SeaWorld to clock in by 9, do my shift at SeaWorld from 9 to 5, get back on the 5 freeway, drive up through all the traffic, and go past Irvine to Anaheim to clock in for my shift at 7.30 till midnight and do that all over again. And I did that Christmas Day, I did that Christmas Eve, I did that Thanksgiving, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. It was just the most amazing experiences, and I listened to so many audiobooks on my drives, and so was really, really, like, enjoyed that, dancing right next to dolphin and pilot whales, and then the next second, like, dancing next to dragons. So it was really, really a lot of fun. Just a moment. In, in case you joined us late audience. This is UCI Conversations, and I'm your host, Kevin Bostenmeyer, and I am visiting with UCI alumni Michaela Holland. We are on location downtown New York City at Time Magazine headquarters where she works. So you were finishing up at UCI, you graduated literary journalism, and then did you right away start interviewing for positions, or how did that transition go? Yeah, so my time after UCI was really interesting because I got scooped up to do a professional film right after. I graduated that day and was on a mega bus to go to San Jose to work. But it was a very small gig and it was like a few days long. But I remember coming back from that and being super tired and looking at my email and saying, oh yeah, I forgot. I signed up to be a volunteer at this event in LA called A3 that the Asian American Journalism Association puts on. You know, kind of a lot, I'm a little tired, but you know what, I, I should go do that. I'm all about committing and once I commit, I 
go forward. So, Excellent. <laughs> so I um, dragged myself out of bed and went to LA and turns out there was a panel there about virtual reality. And when I was at UCI, not to not to go backwards, but I was trying so hard to immerse people in the stories and I hadn't even realized I was trying to do that. I was doing multimedia projects like the 10 Anteaters That'll Change the World project I did with my friend Max Richter, which was a photo essay collage about... F- 10 different UCI anteaters similar to kind of what this public affairs show is and I did a whole multimedia story on refugees in Orange County not just Syrian refugees but refugees from before and after and volunteers who work with refugees and I had been kind of recognized for those things but I, I wanted to do more I wanted to tap into it deeper I'm like how how can we make storytelling as enjoyable and as immersive as Disneyland or Legoland or SeaWorld, which is all places I've worked, but do that for journalism? So when I saw this panel right after I graduated, my mind was blown. I had, it was hot. It was cold. I had this emotional reaction. I was like, that's exactly what I, that's what I've been looking for, virtual reality. I had no idea it existed like to the extent that it did. And so I just like hounded the moderator of that panel and I was just like, how do I do this? And she's like, it's a really small industry. If you start now, you can break in fast and you have to be self-motivated though because no one knows what they're doing in this industry and everyone thinks they know what's going on and no one knows what's going on. But if you can make a voice for yourself, you could do something really cool. And I was like, I know how to do that. You know, like I came to UCI, no one really knew what they were doing and I was able to make a voice for myself. So she allowed me to join like a special Facebook group for women in VR and she connected me to a woman in VR in Los Angeles and she gave me a registration code and she taught me go get a 360 camera go start teaching yourself 360 video which is kind of the special spherical videos you see on Facebook and I was a part of a dance crew called Kaba Modern at that point that was another thing I was a part of and I was like hey Kaba Modern like let's do a whole dance video in 360 so a, I can practice, but B, it'd be a really great concept. And they were like, yeah, sure. And so that was like one of my first official 360 videos. I shot a lot of the UCI Welcome Week stuff in September. At that point, I had spent that summer, I'd moved to LA. I had started working in the film industry as a production assistant, just kind of getting my foot in the door. But I knew VR was really something I was passionate about, but I just knew it wasn't quite the right time. I had been also applying to journalism fellowships and whatnot, but I just knew my heart wasn't really in that. So I was kind of just breaking into the film industry, cold calling VR companies, knowing I didn't have a whole lot to offer them and knowing they were startups and didn't really have a whole lot of financial resources. But I... And when you say VR, that is virtual reality? Yeah, is that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and for that. our listeners, can you define that a little bit more? Yeah, so virtual reality, I guess the school definition is an immersive digital environment. So you need a headset to be in virtual reality. You need to be completely blocked out from the rest of the world. And there's different levels of VR or virtual reality. That like, like there is like an even video, there's lower hanging fruit video, you know, the kind of video you shoot in run and gun. And then there's the kind of video, you know, that is mass produced or even animated and drawn and created from scratch. And same with VR. We have what's called 360 video, which can be a little more run and gun, which I've shot for like the inauguration. I've shot for protests here in New York City. I've shot Grand Canyon and Zion. And those have all just kind of been, you know, real world, real life video that's been placed into what we call like a 360 format. 
and you can watch that on your phone, but it's not true VR. If you put it into one of those like cheap Google Cardboard headsets or a more expensive plastic gear headset, then it becomes true VR. But there's just another layer of VR known as volumetric room scale VR, and I always liken that to like kind of the Lamborghini of VR. It's like the best of the best on the market, and that's actually what we call room scale experiences because it is a completely digitally rendered world using like a video game engine like Unreal or Unity, and taking that world, creating a sphere around you, and. What happens is the headset is actually monitored and tracked by sensors. So when you walk around what you call your play space, you actually walk around that space in the VR, the digital environment. You have head hand controllers. You can interact with those things, and we've created a few of those room scale experiences. I by no means count myself as a developer or a three D modeler, but I've been a part of the creative process and the publishing process and the social and marketing process of multiple room scale experiences. So if you're just at UCI in Irvine, can mm-hmm. you experience that? Do you have to go someplace for that or how do you do it? Yeah, so I think for 360 video is very accessible. Um, anyone can buy a $12 Google Cardboard or plastic cheap headset online, download a few VR apps on their phone and plug and play. As far as the room scale experiences, I don't know of any place specifically in Irvine you can go to, but I do know that the IMAX in Los Angeles has a what we call a VR arcade or virtual reality arcade so you can actually go and try some VR at that IMAX I know that's the only public facing one I can think of I think there's a place a little off the cove I think the cove has a VR headset that you can try it's the probably the Vive or the Oculus but actually you know there's a huge push because PlayStation has a VR headset right now and PSVR is um, really being pushed to consumers as like a really great Christmas gift. So if you have a couple extra hundred dollars and you have a PS, I'm not saying go out and buy it, but if you want to try VR, that's an opportunity for you. And what's PS? Uh, PlayStation. Oh, okay. PlayStation VR. And is it just, is it a recreational amusement thing or educational or what is it? Well, look, so I'm, I'm still pretty new to this industry. I mean, I, I think a year in this industry is like 20 years ago when you had a year in computer programming. You have like six years of experience in your belt. But I know for a fact that VR has been used in the military and in the medical fields for years. It's just now starting to break into the mainstream. Just like video, there's a whole range of what we can do with VR. We can make it educational, we can bring it to schools, which is something my boss and I are really passionate about. We can bring it to museums and make it an installation at museums, which is what we did with our Remembering Pearl Harbor experience, which we constructed the whole Pearl Harbor attack as well as put you in a Great Depression era home. And we also did a Buzz Aldrin experience where we actually worked with Buzz Aldrin and created a hologram himself of him and had him speak to you about his vision for sending humans to Mars to colonize Mars and using the moon as a lunar landing site as well as like a a refuel station for the constant cycle of rockets that would be going back and forth to Mars which was amazing and so we implemented both of those both of those for a short time at the Smithsonian's in DC I think that's what the most amazing thing is to work at time is you have that name you have that journalistic integrity and that ethic and you also have that respect from people when you bring in this experience they're not only expecting 
something incredible, but they're also expecting something really impactful, which I am always blown away by. And then there's also a range of recreation activity. I mean, a lot of the stuff on the Oculus headset, on the Vive headset, on the PlayStation headset, that's a lot of like video game gimmicky stuff or a little more serious stuff or a lot of horror stuff in VR, but it's like video. There's just an unlimited amount of genres you can do with it. And continuing on that idea of unlimited possibilities, I don't know if you're familiar with Pokemon Go, a little bit. So Pokemon. <laughs> so Pokemon Go was like the first huge splash of what we call in the VR or virtual reality industry augmented reality. And so with the difference between virtual reality and augmented reality, you can think of it as like the difference between being in a tank of water. Virtual reality, if you were inside that tank of water, you'd be completely submerged. With AR, if you were inside that tank of water, you'd only be half and half submerged. So what AR does is it takes real-world assets or real-world physical items, like your phone camera, and it overlays it with digital assets. So when people were running around trying to catch Pokemon, they were just running around trying to catch little digital characters on their screen, but what made it so interesting was that these characters lived lived in the physical environment of our world. So what we recently did in May was we implemented augmented reality into our virtual reality mobile app. So now because Time Magazine and Time Inc. is also tied to brands like People, Sports Illustrated, um, Southern Living, Coastal Living, Entertainment Weekly, multiple magazine brands, we've started now making our covers come to life using that augmented reality. So for example, you could scan a cover of Dwayne Johnson and he'll like start talking to you and he'll start like playing around with his props and that's something you can access just via your cell phone. And there's unlimited possibilities with that as well. So yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't want to pigeonhole myself as just like the VR guru. I definitely, I'm like more of an immersive storyteller overall. But yeah, I don't mean to go off on all those tangents. <laughs> no, that's okay. It's, it's fascinating. It seems cutting edge and who knows where this is going to go. Do you have any idea? You know, are we just starting out into yeah. this exploration? Yeah. What are the possibilities that you see? Yeah, I mean... I think that VR is in its time right now where it's a little impersonal, it's a little sanitized, people are a little thrown off by it. Kind of like, you know, when the first desktop computer came out and everyone was like, yeah, in theory it's great, but this isn't, this isn't personal to me. This isn't something that I want to like sit on for hours and hours. And I don't know if that's... I don't even think that's like the VR fault. I think that's just, there's just not enough great content out there for people to want to get into. And I think that someone needs to come along and really make like the Mac, like someone needs to come along and be the Steve Jobs of VR and really make this kind of emerging tech, not just this new splashy useful thing or interesting thing, but really make it something that people feel personally connected to in the freakiest way. I know that sounds crazy but I think that's what we need you know we all have these cellular devices in our pockets and we can access a lot of great AR content people constantly do on a day-to-day basis with snapchat filters and instagram filters that's all augmented reality but the st- and so for sure augmented reality is here to sh- here to stay and I think VR in of itself is here to stay but I think it needs a lot of work and I actually want to be a part of that I want my dream and my goals and my aspirations is to 
like create VR for museums or create really intimate salon experiences of VR that really in like Disney or Legoland or SeaWorld puts you in the story and it's just a natural thing for you to pick up the headset, whether that means that headset isn't actually quote-unquote a VR headset, maybe it's somehow like a piece of the face that you're putting on yourself or if it's like a goggle you're putting on because you're about to become a World War II pilot. Like, How do we make it just so seamless in the experience that you don't even think, oh, I'm about to do VR. You think, oh, I'm continuing my role in the story. Wow. Fascinating. Michaela, we just have like another a minute <laughs> to, to kind of finish up. Do you feel like UCI prepared you for where you are today and what you're looking for in the future? Yeah, I mean, I think the reason I'm here is because I was able to be really scrappy and do my whole resume in 360 and teach that all to myself and that's how I kind of got recognized by my boss now and she kind of scooped me up and I moved to New York in less than a week and that's a whole nother five minute and a half minute story that we don't have time for but that sense of you know what anything is possible anything is possible if I just do it I think being on a campus like UCI really allowed me to have that mentality because what's beautiful about UCI is that it's so young there's not really any deep-rooted tradition there so I didn't walk into that campus and there was already this hierarchy in the broadcast media. There was already this hierarchy in news directing. And it was kind of one of those things where it was like, you just need to work your way up from A, B, C, D. Like, potentially it would be at UCLA or UC Berkeley. So I think being able to come in and really flex my entrepreneur skills and really be able to be, say, like, I see a need and I'm going to make it happen and I and I bring a lot of energy, but I don't really know how I'm going to make it work. But I, I know I, I see a vision and I can make it come to life. And that's what happened. I saw a vision and I made it come to life. And just everyone at UCI, whether that was LJ faculty or Kevin Stockdale or Stephanie um, Van Ginkle at the student affairs office, like they all just saw that I was hungry to make something happen. And, and it wasn't this like, well, you know, in, in 10 years, like UCI did that or 30 years ago, this is how it was. And I don't understand why you want to change it. It was just yeah, let's do it. It's never been done. Like, this is just, yeah, let's do it. And I just think that 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 kind of environment just really stimulated me to be able to have that mindset and to be able to see that I I can see a vision to make it happen even after I graduate, which I think I've done with VR multiple times, whether that's with 360 video or, you know, getting the job here at time and working hard. Like, I learned to work really hard at UCI and I learned to balance my life and you know, moving to New York isn't easy, but I've, you know, balancing work-life balance and working hard is the reason I think I'm still here today. Because my boss, she offered me an internship at the beginning, and I made myself invaluable, and I worked hard, and now I'm still here as an associate producer. Michaela, it's been fantastic to be with you. I'm really looking forward to seeing where the future takes you. We'll be following you, and we'll keep in touch. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you so much, and shout out to UCI all the way from New York City.